Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the sand. You could never understand. Feel the fortune flowing. You know it isn't stuck. As a means of pleasure, cycling stands in the most foremost rank. But in common with all great pleasures, it can easily stand in the foremost in abuse. The desire to ride at an unreasonably high speed may become morbid. The everlasting scorcher, bent like a hoop with sunken cheeks, ought to be quite sufficient warning against this abuse. Anything in your headphones? <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. I can't hear a thing through the headphones. I'm a little bit lost here. You're listening to the Yarrabug radio show on here, here on 3CR. You're either podcasting, listening to it in the training in the kitchen or, <laughs> or streaming it. Live. Or live. <laughs> thanks, mate. Um, many thanks to uh, Amy, Good- no, Amy Goodman and Democracy Now!, and we're in for a funny half hour of radio show here, <laughs> here at the Yarrabuck Show. And uh, Faith, good morning. Good morning, Val. And Herschel, good morning. Greetings and salutations. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry from that inauspicious start, but here we are anyway. On this lovely Melbourne Monday morning, and we've had a week of up and down weather, some beautiful spring weather actually. Very spring weather. Perfect riding this morning. It was absolutely fantastic. There we go. A little bit of north wind and south wind during the week just to freshen us up. And it's been... I'm sorry. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like me to do a bike moment? I would love you to do a bike moment, Faith. I'm a little bit for some reason. Anyway, off you go, please. Um, Look, I, I... yeah, I don't usually like to dwell on the negative, but I had one a bike moment this morning that was the epitome of one of the things that 
annoys me the most in several ways. So I was riding um, just outside Hellenic Republic. There's a set of pedestrian lights that are also bike lights that um, cyclists use to cross Ligon Street so that they can access Stewart Street. And it's used a lot by primary school students as well as older people like me. And um, so to join that pedestrian light to Stewart Street, there's about 10, 12 metres of shared footpath. Yep. And um, I just go on the road to do the dog yep. leg, but there was a student in the primary school uniform along with several others using the footpath. So a pedestrian came walking out of Stewart Street and walked into the student on a bike and immediately went, you shouldn't be riding on the footpath. <laughs> Which, A, they're a primary school student, so highly likely they can legally ride on any footpath they want. B, it's a shared path and there's a sign. C, it's a designated safe cycling and walking route to school. So as this pedestrian approaches Stewart Street, the footpath is covered in decals from Moreland Council saying, look out for bikes and... You know, it was so. It was. It was one of those things. I remember when my son was young. Every time someone comes out of a driveway without looking, they would then wind down the window and say, "You're meant to give way to cars." And I just. <laughs> so it was a very annoying moment. I think I yelled something about shared paths. Yep. There were several other families coming along immediately behind that student with kids on bikes. So I knew someone would explain it to her. I didn't have to stop. <laughs> but um, but, um, but that thing where you're caught out doing something wrong and your immediate reaction is to have a go at a child, yeah. that's, I think, what annoys me most about it, that you're happy to lie to a child because you can't say, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Hope you're listening, Greta. <laughs> <laughs> not going to say sorry to you. Haven't Big Roads adjusted the um, in our 13 years old is the legal age limit yeah. now? They it is. I'm not sure when 13. it comes in, yeah. but it's – yeah. But even if it had been an adult, an adult is allowed to ride on the footpath there. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a Families shared Families with children shared under section. 12. That's right. You know, it's yeah. just written there. As, under 13 now. Is it? Oh, there we go. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it's, but uh, even if you're by yourself, it's a shared path. Yeah. This, so that you can access yeah. the traffic lights if you're the cyclist who doesn't want to ride on Ligon Street in peak hour traffic. Mm-hmm. No. Right. Herschel, have you got a lovely uplifting well, bike to share <laughs> with us? Well, I'm one of these cyclists that's always at the end of the peloton, you know, the, the, sort of, yeah. the one that sort of drifts to the struggles to keep up. I'm not complaining, but I am complaining that I was, am the one that gets the red light. And I, I think that, you know... Us at the end of the peloton, we should be uh, entitled Getting to the green, the green wave. Like, now and again, now and again. But I, I did, my moment was coming up Clarendon Street. I was coming up the hill and there was a jogger next to me jogging and he was running faster than I could pedal. <laughs> and I thought, no, I'm not going to slow down. Some of those him. joggers are fast. <laughs> he was very fast. Someone just recently rang 20 kilometres an hour. I had to con- <laughs> Maybe it was him. <laughs> well, when we got to the red light, I was the one that was puffing. <laughs> I, did, I did compliment him on his run because I always think it's very important to compliment somebody. And he really much appreciated that. So, um. And maybe um, one thing you should try because you crossed Albert Street. 
So on Albert Street going on to La Trobe now, there's a green wave yep. for cyclists. Okay. So you will always get you the green wave. Get, you've got to get past the cathedral, though, to get there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> past George Pell's residence. I mean, um, St. <laughs> Patrick's Cathedral. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I'm just going back to the quote that I read at the start. The desire to ride at an unreasonably high speed is morbid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've I've long passed that sort of... (laughs) My... um, I have uh, either about a 40, 45, 50-minute commute to work, so obviously traffic lights, red lights, you know, they become a feature of the morning. So you always mark out if you go through the first one, get put through the second one a green light ooh three green lights in a row ooh four five i got all the way to the fitzroy swimming pool the other day from burnley and guess which red, red light i got oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> you can almost put money on that one exactly and it probably adds up to all the time on the other red lights combined together there's uh, the pedestrian crossing outside the fitzroy swimming school across Alexandra Parade. What I did notice, which really interested me, was I saw two motorised uh, scooters, Aye. two people on scooters. And I think this is really... Because I was in Tel Aviv, and in Tel Aviv it was just yeah. wall-to-wall there electric scooters. a lot of complaints, yeah. But... Um, well, was, the city of Port Phillip are going to... Uh, yes, see how it goes. Yeah, have a trial. Have a trial, uh, have a trial. Yeah. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see the sort of nuance and how that all, all works yes. out. Yes, yeah. Uh, but street mobility is a really interesting – it's a growth. It is definitely growth. Yeah. People people want to move, and they want to move quickly and yeah. sustainably. Yeah. And um, all of the street mobility, uh, social transportation, they're all increasing. And yeah, yeah. Councils are, are looking to try and accommodate that sort of change in mobility. Yeah. I just want to add the uh, uplifting part of my bike moment, though, oh, just sorry. apart from the red light. <laughs> I want to leave you on a positive note, so I'm going to give you two negatives. Okay. Sure, they always make a positive. Um, I'm a great dog walker. I've got a lovely park, and but near, and it's a bit of a thoroughfare for a couple of the roadies. Um, making, taking, getting onto the Yarra Boulevard there, and. Um, you know, you see a lot of different people riding bikes. And riding bikes, you know, can be like dancing or I'm going shopping on the 20k bike. But it was lovely to watch. There's a chicane hard left, hard right, then straighten up. And to watch a, this bike came through the corners, I don't think he even touched a brake lever. But it was just like poetry, watching him go to flip from one to the yep. other and just through the corner. And it just showed you how much that whole, there's a ballet dance going on. And it was just, you know, lovely to watch that little moment of somebody practising this beautiful skill. We need a few more of those uh, quadrilles they used to do in the 1890s in Melbourne on bicycles. There we go, see? <laughs> that quote this morning was from 1892, just in case you're getting <laughs> yes. the centuries mixed up too. Now, we're on to a little bit of news, Faith Owen. A bit of news. Um, there was a report released this last week, in the last week, by the Dutch Cycling Embassy, um, which was looking at active mode mobility um, and choices about when people will walk or ride their bicycles. Um, one interesting, usually in research, active modes are dumped together. Yep. And um, but this report has found that there's quite 
distinct differences in uh, what will determine people's choice about either walking or cycling. So um, that probably needs to be taken into account more often and uh, they should be regarded as two distinguished alternatives. Interesting for those choosing to use a bicycle to get around or to get to the shops, the results show that active mode use um, for cyclists is not sensitive to weather. It is sensitive, and this really probably relates to what we'll be talking about with Herschel soon, is um, trip characteristics and the built environment. That's a much greater determinant than the weather, which I think you can see when you look at those countries who get high um, cycling choice as a a mode of transport. Yeah, and I mean, you can't say that the English weather is particularly... Wet winter is conducive to cycling, but people's numbers still ride all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think we're just going to break for a second, then we'll be back on how to get more utopian bike paths in the Republic of Glenara. 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 (laughs) Get on that bicycle and ride. Neath the sunny skies over along the ocean side. 3CR would like to thank our Yarrabug program sponsor, Vacro Second Chance Cycles, for their financial support. Second Chance Cycles is a fantastic community workshop that recycles bikes, trains people in bike mechanics, and sells bikes to the local community. To find out more, Google Vacro or drop in to the underground car park. Harmsworth Street, Collingwood, any Thursday or Friday. Yeah, get on that bicycle and ride Neath the sunny skies or along the ocean side And you're back listening to the Yarrabug Radio Show. As Val mentioned earlier, we have Hachelle Landis in the studio today as our guest talking about uh, the safe cycling corridor proposed for Inkerman Road in Glenara or Inkerman Street. Inkerman Street, Andy. But I think, generally speaking, it's it's a proposal across North Caulfield. There are four currently four routes being um, contemplated. Okay. Yeah. So it originally was Inkerman Street, Inkerman Road, but um, some of the residents got a little bit sort of narky about that and encouraged the council to sort of expand their options, which they did, and they okay. instigated. So we've quite, got alternatives. That's okay. Right. So there's four alternatives on the table. Okay. As we speak. So the, the idea is to link the Jeering Trail, which now runs under the uh, Sky Rail, and that goes all the way through to Dandenong, and to link it to the new proposed corridor, which will go down St Kilda Road. Road. So linking up two really effective state government projects with Correct. a local project. Yes. And from what I understand, the Department of Transport are very interested in this because it Actually, if it works, it, it will benchmark other opportunities for other municipalities yep. that are also keen to see how a bike path can be laid across a suburban grid. Yep. And with a suburban grid, you've got all the issues like um, driveways, roads and footpaths and parking, all, yep. the, all the sort of contested spaces and how they're going to be engineered. Yep. Um, so there is a lot of interest to see how this one's going to work and it's being done very carefully. Um, councils investing a lot of money into research, into public relations, into um, consultations um, and trying to sort of understand the problems. They're working with the Department of Transport and, yep. uh, and 
seeing how this is going to effectively link the two. From my point of view, it's going to be a very powerful asset because it's going to link up Caulfield Station. You've got Monash Campus, and that links up through to um, North Caulfield, and then you've got little villages like Alma Village. You've also got Chapel Street. That area, too, gets linked up. And then you could go through to, say, Fitzroy Street, then down to the Beach Road, and then theoretically through to Williamstown. So it is a very powerful um, piece of infrastructure. Um, It's all predicated on shifting people's transport options from cars to other things like public transport. Or giving them more options. Giving them more options. And so the council are very interested in, with a growing population that's growing 16, 16% over the next six, uh, 10 years, uh, from 150 to 180,000 people, they're interested, and given that their roads are finite, that they're at capacity in any case, um, they're interested in trying to encourage people to move to a sort of 50-50 mode share yep. um, over the, the next uh, decade. Yeah. So one area is to move people on to, or give up people options and one of those options is going to be bike riding and they think that will be done through better opportunities on the road through um, separated bike paths yeah. that will give people more confidence to use use the road to, to ride to not only to work but to, to transport to down to the local village yeah um you don't have to drive car to go and have a coffee you can take your bike yeah and you don't have to worry about parking when you get there because generally speaking there's nowhere to park well it makes sense for those local trips it's um they're the ones that are really easy if you've if you've got the infrastructure to support it and they um and multimodal opportunities yeah Yeah. and the small trips will make the difference because the small trips will take cars off roads yeah and it will reduce parking demands it will reduce the big flow on effect um so small trips are actually the the most constructive trips yeah and and they're the trips that will take cars off um the roads you people live on correct so it's you know it's about when you need to use a car you can access an arterial and do that which you can't um, do at the moment and, and, and it's interesting there's a lot of people complaining when are oh it's terrible terrible you know but they're stuck in their road can't get out onto income road they can't get onto kiyong road they can't get yeah. onto Dan- they can't go anywhere they're stuck in traffic it can take them three three traffic lights to cross over income road and kiyong road yeah uh, kiyong road so they're already stuck in traffic and we haven't even got to that population increases yeah so the council are, are looking the, ahead and looking ahead but they're getting a lot of, uh, of resistance from no. from local population. Can I just remember the resistance to the sky rail, yes. and that actually um, because there's pushback on those things mm. when that first came out and people were uh, you know up in arms. Now that it's been there, everybody realises it's quite wonderful. Yeah, and it's opportunistic too because yeah. it's provided all this the the. The, the the work they've done under the sky rail yeah. to make that area mm. improve that area has been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, uh, Melbourne City Council spent two years um, do reports on air quality, all this work about actually getting cars and making walking and cycling easier in the city. And you release it after all this work, and the front page of the Herald Sun is, you know, they want to take your car off you. Well, so then you get this pushback what about things that actually we really if they put them in the practice like the sky rail everybody loves them you know yeah get it there and, and then, uh, 
I was going to say, this negativity comes out in the immediate response is, oh, you've got to register bike riders. They should be having number plates on them. Um, you know, they, they, they've got pointy ears. They, they're going to sort of, you know, just come in and destroy our whole way of life. Those people, you know. Well, the survey three months ago was 75% of human, other drivers think cyclists are subhuman. Well, and this, this, is, this is one of the issues that I have is that in, in running the argument against the bike parts, there is an attempt to try and dehumanise. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I find this a really disappointing aspect of, of their arguments. Their arguments is about um, they, they want to preserve their parking amenity. They, they, they've come yeah. to rely on the road as their mechanism. They can just roll up at night, park their car, go inside, drop their car there, put the groceries in, go out, and in the morning they don't have to negotiate the footpath. They just get in their cars and go. The road is a great space for their amenity, no. for storing their cars. But there's only a limit to how much you can put on the road, and people also have a right to move on the road. And one of the, one of the ways of moving is street mobility through bicycles and electric scooters when they eventually come. And it's interesting, like the, what you described, how they're see the people who will be using this path as outsiders and other and it's they're not thinking oh well this this will be my neighbor and his kids yes getting uh, to the shops or getting to school or you yes. know it's um because this it's, it's an enormous benefit to the local community i mean someone's coming in and offering to spend millions of dollars improving your environment and making it easier for people to move around. Yes, and and, and that sense of community is is one of the the, the, the real um, yeah um, paybacks. You know, is one of the the great things is that sense of community. The, yeah. The, yeah. At the moment, they've got eleven thousand cars coming down Inkerman Road from other places yeah. using Inkerman Road as driving so, through it. So you got noise, yeah. pollution, yeah. congestion. How does that add to their lifestyle? I mean, it, it doesn't. No. Whereas People, kids on their bikes, parents walking. Yeah. It, yeah. These are all positive things that will yeah. increase the sense of community. So, and you can offer more plantings and and, yeah. Yeah. and, and calm the street, yeah. reduce the noise levels. Yeah. It becomes a much better place. So when you actually do drive your car out, it's a great place to go down and yeah. pick up the. And we've um, seen a lot of research from overseas that shows um, having access to good cycling infrastructure has raised the value of people's homes. Um, I don't know if there's actual research been done in Australia, but there have been claims made, I know, um, on articles on domain when people are trying to sell properties, certainly here in the north, that, you know, they they point out it's the access to uh, different cycling routes. So they certainly see it as an amenity that people are attracted to and that will increase the value and interest in a property. One of the disappointing um, arguments being run by the opponents of the bike path is this idea that those people are going to come in pelotons, waves of pelotons, <laughs> and they're going to trap them inside their, their houses and they'll never get out and they'll starve to death and th- their property values will drop. And this has been pushed by one of the real, local real estate agents. It's really it's a disappointing furphy um, that is just part of the, the yeah. overall fear campaign against the uh, the bike paths. But in actual fact, I think having a bike path or being close to a bike path, especially when you've got access to Monash, and I speak to a lot of people who are riding bikes, they're going to Monash, they're lecturers, they're students. Yeah. For them, it's going to be great. You know, to go to Caulfield Station. Well, if it takes more of them off the road and puts them in a bike lane, 
then it frees up space for... Because they're living in North Caulfield. So Monash Caulfield's only, what, five minutes away. Yeah. It's fantastic. Um, If you're going to work in the morning, you're going to Melbourne Uni with a new underground, again, you just get on your bike, go to Caulfield Station, put your bike in one of the lockers and off you go. I mean, you don't have to worry about looking for a parking spot because one of the greatest bugbears is where do I park my car when I use the train in the morning? I've got nowhere to park it. Yeah. Well... You know, hello, you've got a nice bike storage. Yeah. And off you go. It's a lot easier. Yeah. So I, I think there's, there's massive um, benefits, benefits and... which will add value to people's properties. Yeah, yeah. Can no, just definitely. Go back, when you're raising the community building, some, they put in a – I've got a lovely local park, and against her, there were a fair few objections about putting in two half courts of basketball. And I'm going to sort of link it to the, the – um, the sky rail thing, everybody not complaining about. But actually what happens in the end and what happened with the basketball courts, Billy and Johnny from 500 metres down the road meet up with their neighbours who live six streets away. All of a sudden they start playing together in their shared space. They actually get to meet each other for the first time. Happened in the local park is all of a sudden all this community starts around say, young yeah. kids or that, and it happens underneath that sky, right? People will be getting in touch with their neighbours, sharing barbecues in summer out there. That's, that's the really important thing about it, if you ask me. One of the, one of the issues is they probably haven't made the path wide enough. Um, it's, yeah. very, <laughs> it's very popular. And, and for, the, for the folks of North Caulfield, it's a 25-minute ride to Oakley yeah. for yeah. the best fresh. Um, it's great. I went yeah. there last yeah. Thursday, two yeah. Thursdays. I went with my friends. They yeah. drove there. They took them 10 minutes to find a parking spot. I rode my bike. Yeah. Had, had a northerly with me. So <laughs> I was a bit worried about how I was going to get home. home but there was a... To catch a train. No, better, better. There was a wind change. Yeah. Of course. And the, suddenly, suddenly came in and I had the trip back. It was wonderful. I think it's... it's I've noticed um, that the ability... To imagine something that's outside your bubble. I, mm. I know um, where I live, children often start walking and riding to school about eight, nine years old. And uh, I was with a mother one day who came from several suburbs away and as we were driving down a road, she noticed this and and she was very sort of concerned about is that safe? And as we talked it through, you realise she spent most of her life in a car because where she lived, that was pretty much the only practical way to get around. And the pavement was like this alien space that not only her children weren't used to being on, but she wasn't. So that meant she found it very hard to mentally place herself or her children on it and know what it would feel like. And so this, you know... If you're someone who rides a bike, you know the wonderful accessibility that opens up to you when these things are built. Um, but do you think that is a part of it, that people find it so hard to imagine themselves into that space or the people they know? We're, we're part of a generation that grew up around driving theatres, um, motels. Um, everything was around the car. So post-World War Two. The, the world that was presented to us was suburbia. People moved out of the inner city. They all moved to suburbia land. Everything was about the car. Everything revolved around the car. 
It was a, a century of cars. That's changing. I was in Detroit a few years ago at the Ford Museum, and even the Ford Museum recognised mm. that the future wasn't about the cars. There was this paradigm shift. People were going to use different options to move. And so cities, the nature of work in itself is changing as well, and we're seeing cities becoming a lot more condensed, and that condensate, the density, increase in density is bringing with it transportation issues, how people move, but the car is excluded from that. It's not an option. And this is what we realised with the East-West Link debate. It was only five years ago, but that was the massive changeover where commuting cars weren't the future. People needed to move away from another option. They needed wow. other options. So suburban design has to change, change. with yep. it, yeah. and that's what's happening. So we, we've got this massive cultural change that's taking yeah. place, and it's only in a very short period of time. So we're only talking about less than a decade, five years since the East-West Link, and, and the East-West Link was really important because that was the turning point where government spending started to move from cars to public transport yeah. because they recognised that the future was not cars. Yep. You yeah. just can't keep building roads because no. roads were insatiable in terms of tra- in, in producing traffic, which then needed more roads and it was just a vicious right. circle. Yep. Governments had to move away from that and it's happening across cities around the world, same sort of thing. So the idea of the bike and different modes of transport has to be inserted into architecture, yep. uh, urban architecture and urban design and that's what's happening at the moment. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, Herschel. Um, if people want to find out more about the Safe Cycling Corridor pilot, where would they be able to find that information? So a couple of things. Um, it's all on the Glen Ira Council website. Mm-hmm. I'll put a link up with yeah, the podcast. If anybody would like to send an email to the Glen Ira Council as to why they should continue and support the Safe Cycling Paths, mm-hmm. I think that's a great idea. Okay. Um, and if anybody sees my little sign, please give me a thumbs up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Keep an eye out for Hachelle. Spare him, spare. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all we have time for today. 3CR relies on the support of its listeners to stay on the air, so if you'd like to subscribe or make a donation, you can do that at 3cr.org.au or by calling 94198377. Coming up next is... Sheepop. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.